This is The Future Of, where experts share their vision of the future and how their work is helping shape it for the better. I'm David Carsten. Cyber warfare has become an intense global security issue. As technology advances, nations are becoming increasingly vulnerable to a cyber attack on their digital systems and infrastructure. Such attacks may disrupt essential services such as power, healthcare, banking and transport systems and have the potential to severely impact the nation's population. So what can countries do to mitigate the risk? Today, I was joined by Dr. Nixon Kari, an accomplished cyber security and forensics expert and lecturer at Curtin University. We discussed how cyber warfare has evolved, the risks of cyber warfare and what countries can do to defend themselves. If you'd like to find out more about research in cybersecurity, you can visit the links provided in the show notes. So, look, I guess a good place to start is just defining what cyber warfare is. So, so Nixon, what, what is cyber warfare and how has it evolved over time? Um, thank you so much, David. Um, I would want to say that um, cyber warfare basically refers to the use of digital hacking techniques or any information technologies to disrupt or damage um, computing systems and networks. And this could be of individuals or even organization or nations. So that's to me is cyber warfare. It's, uh, it's, it's certainly changed shape over time, hasn't it? I mean, um, yeah. uh, uh, in, 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 I guess in that context, um, how, how has it developed to uh, the, the cyber security and cyber, cyber warfare issues that we see today? Yeah, definitely. Um, the cyber warfare has evolved over time. And if you look back, most of the time we think of cyber warfare in two sides of either offensive or defensive. But most of the time people think of the offensive more than the defensive, but it has two sides. But if um, you look at it from the beginning, look at the early stages of, of cyber warfare, um, this wasn't really a hard thing because in the early stages um, it primarily involved basic hacking and this is where the whole concept of everyone wanting to hack uh, came, came to, you know, to, to the limelight. So it involves simple basic hacking techniques such as um, defacing a website. So if you have a website, someone plays around with it and changes a few things there. So those were the early stages of, of this whole, um, you know, feed. and people would launch denial of service. So if you want to send an email or want to receive an email, you can get it. So these were the early stages of cyber warfare, in my opinion. So, so Nixon, uh, we've had PayPal customers targeted, uh, MailChimp, um, the US hospital system, even Air France and KLM were targeted in, in cyber attacks. And that was just in January this year. And that yep. was just a few of them. What, what are some of the notable examples of cyber warfare in both Australia and internationally that, that you've been aware of? Well, there are quite a good number. And in Australia, if we even look back, the Australian Parliament hack, if you remember about that, that was uh, one good example that Australia probably was shaked <laughs> and they had to act and do something. Uh, but look, internationally, there is more than just the parliamentary. The, if, again, if we think about Australia, the Department of Meteorological and, you know, they were also attacked and their weather data was disrupted and they couldn't do much of their work. 
think of the solar winds attack which also affected australia uk and many other countries as well so this uh, is not just a concept of australia but it's a global thing so look at the us the Stuxnet uh, attack, which was also a global one. So quite a good number. Look at the Ukrainian um, uh, power grid attacks. So most of these things, when they happen, we think maybe it's just for that country. But the more they do this, the more they disrupt other countries as well. Because when it affects one and they cannot deliver services to the other, then again, you are affected. So it's becoming a global problem. So it's not just a one man's or one country's issue. It's really a global thing. Well, Nixon, you talk about affecting uh, everybody, you and I. When, when a cyber attack does happen, uh, can you perhaps give an example of how that literally can affect us? Say, for instance, uh, a hospital system's electronic records uh, are compromised. What could happen in that scenario? Yeah, uh, that's a good one, um, especially in the health sector. Um, you know, it's one of the areas that I think if anything happens, think of it this way. If, if you have um, an automated uh, dispenser for, for medicine, for example, where you're supposed to take two tablets a day or three or maybe once three times, right? So morning, afternoon and evening. Somehow, an attacker or some guy decides to attack this machine and dispenses three times three. That means three tablets three times a day. You, you can imagine taking a one day dose three times. What will happen? So this is the problem with these cyber warfare kind of attacks because when they affect the system, they affect you as an individual because when they attack the hospital and, um, and, and attack the dispenser, it doesn't affect the hospital only. It affects you as a person because now you're taking triple dose. And of course, probably by the end of the day, you're dead already because you're not supposed to take triple dose in such cases. So this is how it goes down to the individuals and it, can, it just doesn't affect. It can kill. It's, it's a frightening proposition isn't it it really is and and it's only becoming more i guess severe and critical as uh, emerging technologies uh, make themselves known in this space so uh, nixon what what are we looking at in terms of the future of cyber warfare and cyber defense i mean there are some frightening emerging technologies that could really dial up the severity of these attacks yeah yep um i think with the emergence of ai this is a field that can be utilized and um, I think as good as it sounds it's a double-edged sword because uh, the attackers are also using it so um, it's good to adapt to it and use it to develop frameworks uh, defensive systems and many other mitigation uh, measures that we can think of using AI but at the same time it's not enough to develop without educating people. So I think beyond just, or rather besides the using of AI, we also need to create um, an education system that just goes beyond the development and educate everyone on how to use them or how to look out for these uh, attackers. And you know, any sign of, or any indicator that could tell someone this is just not right. We need that for everyone. AI is set to make that very difficult 
for, for us to actually differentiate between what's genuine and what is, uh, what is a threat. Um, can you give us an example without planting too many seeds out there um, for ideas, but how exactly would AI manifest within a, a cyber attack? It's very difficult for a normal person to know when it's used because AI makes it very sophisticated for a normal user to detect anything. And that's why the attackers are using it. Um, but look, the simplest thing you can do is when it's too good, think twice. When it looks too good, think twice because not every good thing comes easy as they put it. So sometimes they send emails that look very real and they are giving you suggestions that you probably have never heard of in your life and you think probably this is a jackpot, but that's when the problem starts. So when the deal is too good, think twice. That's, but then again, it boils back to the education side of it. How educated is this person to think that way? It's a matter of um, psychologically training someone to be able to know. If they're not trained to know, then they won't know, and that's how they are attacked. At the 2023 annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, it was revealed that 93% of respondents believe a catastrophic cyber attack is likely in the next two years. Firstly, what is a catastrophic cyber attack, and what are your thoughts on this, Nixon? I think uh, a catastrophic cyber attack is one that um, is very sophisticated and um, I would think of something we've never heard of, let's say if attackers decide to take over aeroplanes when they are up there. So if I can be able to capture 10 of them and direct all of them towards the same point, that's probably more than a bomb, right? Because when they collide, you can imagine the impact of that. Now, that's what we call catastrophic attacks. Because if you can be able to take charge of this type of infrastructure, and this is not just um, planes. We are talking of many other things, including uh, we have autonomous vehicles these days. You know, no driver, no, no one inside. If we can be able to take over 10 or 20 or 30 of them and just move them to one direction and crush them, that's basically going to be a catastrophic uh, attack. So we are looking at something that is not doesn't look normal to us, but it's possible to happen. And that's basically what AI also can, you know, bring this kind of catastrophic attacks. So yeah, this is what I think would look like a catastrophic attack. Look, with 93% of, of respondents um, anticipating something like this happening in the future, it seems to suggest that there's definitely a, a, an awareness of the dangers of, uh, of uh, a cyber attack. But, um, but what you're saying is education is, is what really needs to be dialed up in this instance, yes. yeah? Yeah. Um, well, what security measures then, what, on a practical level, what security measures can countries take to, to strengthen their cybersecurity defences and to respond to these threats? Um, I think at the moment, um, when we talk of cyber, uh, the cyber warfare level, we are talking of international treaties. Because as we talk now, not many countries are together in terms of cyber security. 
everybody does what they do and probably not interested in you know talking to the other people so if we can come up with um, international treaties uh, global frameworks that can be used um, when it comes to how people conduct themselves so these are just but some of the things that can help uh, when it comes to um, cyber warfare especially also in terms of threat intelligence, sharing information. When something happens here, you are willing to share with another person to be able to help them also, you know, get ready just in case they attack the same way you are. So these are the fundamental things that uh, probably we need to consider in uh, creating um, international treaties, uh, global standards, um, you know, where people can share information freely without any any problem. So I think these are some of the primary things that we need to consider. Well, that's uh, cybersecurity in a, in a broad sense, but um, you've touched on artificial intelligence and its growing role in this space. Cyberspace is such a nebulous concept in a way. It's, it's, it's a very difficult, it's not a physical thing you can grasp, right? Yep. So how do you promote ethical use of AI in this space. Uh, regulation and governance must be such a difficult thing to both get uh, agreement on and then also to enforce. Yeah, um, I think uh, the same way um, nations have come together to fight other fields like climate change, I think the same concepts can be used in cybersecurity, coming together, not fighting climate change, fighting uh, cybercrime. So, the same frameworks they are developing for climate change, they need to think about how to develop the same for cybersecurity. So, because look, when you think of climate change, just like cyber, you might think it's not physical. Like, it doesn't affect me. When someone tells you climate change is affecting this area, but how is something, unless you understand, it's the same way, I tell you, cybersecurity or cyber crimes are becoming a big problem here, then someone will, how? Because I've never seen it, I've never been hacked or something. So it's basically the same way, coming together, uh, formulating things that helps us all together, and we move forward with it, you know, because there are very many treaties that have been, you know, countries have come together to form treaties based on different fields, right? So I believe the same can be done with cybersecurity. Just come together, let's talk about it, let's agree on what we need to do, what defensive measures do we need to put place, what standards do we need to put place in place. So all these can be able to enhance, uh, you know, the defensive capabilities of different nations. Mm. Yeah. Are you suggesting some kind of world authority or a, uh, a, 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 some sort of UN of cyber, perhaps? Um, well, not necessarily a UN of cyber because I think within UN itself, there are different departments and they probably have one for cyber security already. So they shouldn't come up with another UN for cyber, but just find a way to incorporate this into the already existing infra. It would even be easier because they already have the structures, right? It's just creating a department that manages cyber security. I think we're starting to solve the problem, Nixon, between <laughs> you and I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, we, we talked about uh, individual responsibility in, in recognizing when something it looks too good to be true, it probably is. What about 
organizations on a, on a local level. I mean, we've seen in the last year or so um, organizations that have a lot of client data on file being hacked. What What is their responsibility to us as consumers and I guess as an organization to I guess provide proper defenses against these cyber security threats. Yeah, look, for organization, um, they have a responsibility of protecting what we give them. And that's your data, my data, and for one, every other person's data. That's their responsibility because they ask this data from us and we give them. It's their responsibility to make sure that they keep it as safe as we want it. But at their level, what they need to do, I think, number one, is to have um, a, a cyber security strategy. You know, the problem with many companies, not many, but some companies, is that they do things without necessarily thinking about the cyber part of it. And look, it's not just a problem of the company, it's a problem of everyone. Like when new technologies come, we are all happy to embrace it without thinking about the cybersecurity side of it. It's only after some time then we realize uh, that technology wasn't as good. But look, as an organization, you have to think about it before you embrace it. So they have to develop cybersecurity strategies. How do we bring in something new, not just, you know, out of hype or something. So that's that's one of the, the responsibilities they, they must have, develop um, strong cybersecurity strategies. But beyond that, they have also to conduct risk assessments. Everything you do has its own risk. So you have to understand what risks are you bringing to yourself by bringing in this kind of thing. Collecting people's data is good, but what risks? Okay, because if I know you have the data, I would want to have that data. What are you putting in place to make sure that someone doesn't get this data is something they need to do. So beyond the strategy, they need to do risk assessment, but also implement strong, um, you know, defensive mechanism like strong access control, such that not everyone can just have access to it anytime they want to specific people based on their role they should be given access to specific information and you know if you as a user feel like you don't want your information to be there anymore they still need to give you an option to opt out to your knowledge is there um, a legal obligation or a an insurer's obligation for an organization to have a cyber strategy in place I think there is, um, and that's why we have uh, regulatory bodies to regulate on what you do as an organization. And the regulatory bodies mostly are there to make sure that you, whatever you're doing is in compliance with what everyone else wants or is doing. Because if you don't follow this um, kind of regulations, then it means you are more vulnerable than just any other person. So I think there, yeah, it's it's there. It's kind of mandated to some of these organizations. It's no longer optional. You must have it. You must do it. So that's that's basically something that's there. Well, it's good to know that there is at least some layer of obligation and protection there for us as consumers. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we're just going to take a, a quick break, uh, but we will be back right after this. 
Do you want to expand your career prospects in science or engineering? A postgraduate course at Curtin University can help you gain advanced technical expertise, skills and knowledge. You might collaborate on real projects with partners including BHP, CSIRO and NASA, or work on high-impact research initiatives including the Binar Space Program and the Square Kilometre Array. Get started on your postgraduate journey today by visiting curtin.edu forward slash postgrad. What about your research, Nixon? Um, what inspired you to work in cybersecurity? Yeah, thank you. Um, once again, I would want to say that um, in my research, I have focused mostly within the cybersecurity and digital forensic field. That's, that's my major. And mostly I focus in cloud forensic, uh, critical infrastructure security, that's including all the transportation systems and you know power grids and all that. I'm very much interested in that area. Intrusion detection and incidents handling, that's basically looking at how can someone come into your computer and incidents handling is how do you handle it if you know someone has entered your environment. So that's basically what incidents handling. So I'm very much interested in that as well. I do a lot of uh, creating some of these rules on how to detect um, different incidents and basically thereafter look at how do we handle it if we find it. So that's, that's a very interesting area in my research. Look, um, at the end of the day, um, I also have IoT in, in that package as well. Um, I look at some of the IoT. Look, these days you connect your everything in the house, right? Your fridge, your washing machine, your microwave, your everything. Um, for, for those of us at the back of the room, IoT, what, what does that stand for? Internet of Things. And a thing can be anything, including you as a human being. We sometimes refer you as a thing, but not necessarily a thing as such. But when you connect anything to the network, that becomes a thing. It becomes an object of reference. We can get to it anytime if we have to. And that's basically what happens in the medical field when they put a gadget on you and you move around and they monitor your temperature, your blood pressure. your So that thing has entered the internet of things. So that's, that's part of my research. So look, what, what I do is I study the latest trends, what's happening, what kind of vulnerabilities are coming up, uh, what are the attackers doing, you know, understanding this kind of environment help us to develop proactive measures of how to defend ourselves. Because, look, if you don't know anything, how do you defend yourself? And again, they say, if you know, you cannot know where you're going unless you know where you're coming from. So if you can understand how they do these things, how do you move forward? It becomes a very big problem. So that's basically what um, I do, trying to help uh, different people come up with response strategies, how to mitigate their risk as well and protect any sensitive digital assets in an organization. So look, my passion in cybersecurity, you know, stems from a combination of factors, not just one. And the first one is the rapid di digitization of things. You know, everything is becoming digital these days. I'm not sure if our blood is gonna be digital someday. <laughs> but everything is being digitized. 
and as good as it sounds it comes with its own risks okay so people look at the good side of it but they don't look at the risk so this usually motivates me you know to look at as as much as they go this way how can we safeguard our systems against all this digitization so once we have an understanding of the type of infrastructure they use the different things they do then we can come up with measures that can protect us so that's that's one side of it um the second thing is you know we have witnessed the as we said earlier you know the frequency and sophistication of cyber attacks you know it's it's just becoming very soft sophisticated every day and this also you know gives me or fuels my curiosity to desire to contribute to this field like as much as they do that what can i also do to help other people in the same area so that that gives me the motivation to keep uh, you know researching and coming up with solutions different strategies and measures so um when these things happen i feel compelled to act okay so i like I just have to do I can't just sit and watch like any other person I feel compelled to act and you know come up with things that can help the whole world not just me but everyone to feel safe you know um and then again uh, the complexity and constant evolving nature of cybersecurity is also another thing like it's different you know in um in other fields probably things don't move as fast as in cyber in cybersecurity we always say even if you go to university and study cybersecurity give yourself 5 years if you don't study anything thereafter 60% of the things you studied probably don't matter anymore so you only have 40% so if you go 10 years you are irrelevant <laughs> you know all the things that you studied in your undergrad you are no longer needed because the dynamic nature of this field means every day something new is coming and 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 you have to keep up with that trend so that in itself you know always motivates me to dig deeper into what what something you know this new thing how does it work what can we do so these these are some of the things that um, usually keeps me going in my research trying to come up with different ways different ideas There's a lot to take in there um very and uh, it's been very educational uh Dr Nixon uh Kari the James Bond of the cyber <laughs> expert world thank you so much for your time today um thank you and then uh, having me yeah yeah no it's um it's a frightening set of circumstances that we seem to be heading towards yet it's so encouraging to see that um there are people like yourself uh in place uh ready with some strategy ideas and some some policy ideas to to bring us forward safely and securely thank you you've been listening to the future of a podcast powered by Curtin University if you've enjoyed this episode please share it and if you want to hear more from experts stay up to date by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app bye for now